0: This is Monty in the Morning. The show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Happy Tuesday, the 5th of July. July. Good to see everybody already commenting. Good to have you on the program. A lot to get to today. The Utah Jazz continue to be in the middle of the trade machine. We'll have all the latest details for you. This Kevin Durant situation uh, looks like it is going to jump off here in the next couple of days. We have the very latest and how are the Utah Jazz involved in the Kevin Durant trade. Let me ask you this. Yesterday for the 4th of July barbecue, was it a smoker or a barbecue? Like, you know, charcoal briquettes and stuff.
1: Open flames and stuff. You know,
0: we'll talk about that. What did you eat yesterday? We've got to talk about four-day work weeks. That excites me, just hearing the words four-day work week.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's National Workaholic Day, apparently, today, so... We qualify. Yeah. I'm serious. I think yeah, we qualify we do. as like we absolutely do.
0: complete and total workaholics. Yeah. All right. So all of that coming up, make sure that you uh, give us a thumbs up and a like right now. If you are here on the show, we greatly appreciate that. It helps us show grow. Uh, it helps us do our job better for you, friends, because that's what we're all here for, to make sure that you're taken care of. Okay. Let's talk <laughs> Utah Jazz Basketball. Uh, on the Monty show. I don't know. I'm just being sarcastic as usual. But uh, over the weekend, we were following the Jazz situation very closely here on the Monty show. And very clearly, the Utah Jazz J continue to work behind the scenes to add a big man. That is clearly their um, priority, if you will. Um, very, very much, in my opinion as it should be, because this team with the trade of Rudy Gobert got a lot smaller in the middle. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You have to find a way to backstock that. Um, but, Jake, right now, if I had to ask you, if I had to pin you down right now, would you say the Jazz are rebuilding or are the Utah Jazz retooling?
1: Yeah, my opinion is, is that they're retooling. I, I think that their behavior and their actions have, have told us this and, and that what I'm referencing is is the way they've gone about this process. You know, they took their time. Finding Will Hardy, the next head coach of the Utah Jazz, obviously, you know, they they've taken their time in trading uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, from this team, obviously, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, and I feel like that deal uh, was very beneficial for the Utah Jazz. I feel like they got a hall of picks, uh, good players that they can then flip and uh, a couple that I would recommend that they keep. But I think the reason they're retooling instead of rebuilding is because if you were going to enter a full rebuild you would have traded Donovan Mitchell. You would be you right. would be trying to move on from him. You would be trying to change and redefine this entire organization. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I, I think if you've watched this team for the last two years, you know that this team went through some struggles in the locker room this past season. You know that it's been a fight for Donovan Mitchell uh, to really get to the level that we all expect him to get to. There have been some injuries and some things have gotten in the way. And so... I think, you know, when we try to define retool or rebuild, I just think a rebuild is just not what we're seeing because a rebuild would be tearing the whole thing down, shipping everybody out, trying to be, you know, trying to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, as an example, or the Orlando Magic, where you're trying to get to that top, you know, three in the NBA draft. And that's not what the Utah Jazz have done here but I think what they have done is they've said all right the team that we have was good it was you know competent to a certain level but we haven't been able to get to uh the Western Conference Finals we haven't been able to you know contend at the level we want to contend at so where how do we change that where does that process start well that process started with trading Rudy Gobert so now that that's done now um, you know, the information we have is that they are involved in the in the uh, Kevin Durant situation as a as a third team to sort of facilitate Brooklyn and Phoenix doing a deal. So that's why I say this isn't a full-on tear it down, burn it down, rebuild. This to me is a retool where you're just reshaping the team around your best player in Donovan Mitchell, and you're hoping, and you know, not really hoping, counting on the fact. That Donovan Mitchell comes back as a complete player and the guys you put around him enable him to be in in positions to uh to carry your team in the biggest moments.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that is that is very clear is that the Utah Jazz are chasing uh DeAndre Ayton and John Collins. Sources last night around the NBA um, you know, told me that the Jazz were very close on a John Collins trade with the Atlanta Hawks before this Kevin Durant thing jumped off last week. And John Collins obviously is a guy that's a good fit. But I think the question you have to ask yourself is DeAndre Ayton a better fit or is John Collins a better fit? And I'm here to tell you it's DeAndre Ayton, and I don't know that it's close. DeAndre Ayton brings you size at 6'11". He brings you an offensive skill set. Uh, that is superior to what you had with Rudy Gobert or what John Collins brings you. Now, are you getting the defender that John Collins is? Certainly not. Uh, But I think what DeAndre Ayton lacks defensively, you can make up for with his offensive production. And I would tell you that what the Jazz need is a big who can shoot a jump shot. And there is no doubt in my mind that DeAndre Ayton fills that bill. I do wish DeAndre was meaner. I wish he was tougher. I wish he wanted to end dudes but he doesn't. But DeAndre Ayton's a guy that can give you 20-10, and 20-12 on a night-in, night-out basis, and he can do that in multiple ways. He can play at three different levels, Jake. I love DeAndre Ayton, and that's the guy that I would choose. If I were the Utah Jazz, I'd take De- DeAndre Ayton over John Collins.
1: Yeah, and I think you can't teach size, and, and that's the only thing to me that he really definitively has over um, over John Collins. I think that their games are just completely different, meaning that John Collins, to me, is a more explosive player. He's somebody that you will find posterizing guys multiple times a season. You know, he does have a three-point shot in his bag, like, but he doesn't have that polished mid-range elbow jumper that DeAndre Ayton has that enables you to really – get, uh, you know, layered in the pick and roll game, meaning that, that, you know, it gives Don options essentially based on what the defense is running, uh, whether to give it to DeAndre to knock down the elbow or to take it to the, to the, to the hole, you know, and and that's what I think ultimately this, you know, this retool needs to be defined as like if you're a Utah jazz fan and you're sitting here saying, okay, what is this team trying to do? Because they just traded away one of our best players that we had last season, Uh, maybe I don't know the guys that we got back from Minnesota. So what really are we trying to do? And I would tell you what the Utah Jazz are trying to do is put Donovan Mitchell in positions to be successful by bringing in guys that give him space and give him options to operate, which is what he didn't have the last couple of seasons. So when I look at Aiton and I look at Collins... I would agree that Aiton probably is the better fit. He has the size. He trends a little bit more traditional big man without being, you know, lumbering and and limited um, from a speed standpoint. And I just think that that DeAndre Aiton can do a lot for you. That said. If they went and got John Collins, I would not be sitting here criticizing that move because I think John Collins is incredibly capable uh, within his game. So I wouldn't criticize that at all.
0: No, I'd agree with that. I mean, uh, uh, John Collins or DeAndre Ayton are both going to be upgrades for you. But I think when you look at what you have to do here to compete, I think DeAndre Ayton certainly makes that happen. But of course, and again, the question is, are the Utah Jazz trading Donovan Mitchell? And I think this is the number one question that we keep hearing Um, And it's mainly because you have people in Phoenix and Brooklyn talking about how um, the Nets are trying to get Donovan Mitchell to team him with, with Ben Simmons. And I would again say that, by rule, is not allowed in the NBA because you can't have two rookie contracts that have been extended. So when you look at the max deal that Ben Simmons is on, they traded for him. So you could have two of your own rookies, that you've given max extensions to, or designated rookies on your roster, but you can't trade for two of them. And Ben Simmons obviously was acquired by trade by Brooklyn, and they would be acquiring Donovan Mitchell by trade to have that second one. Now, by some miracle, is there a scenario where you can see that the Brooklyn Nets offload Ben Simmons? I think that's awfully difficult to have Ben Simmons end up on the Phoenix Suns. I think that's asking an awful lot out of Phoenix. They want Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wants the Phoenix Suns. I think it's awfully difficult to go to the Utah Jazz and make the case that, hey, give us Donovan Mitchell, we'll give you Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons hasn't played in more than a calendar year. He's coming off of a significant back injury, and he is dealing with mental health issues that are unclear and undefined. So while it is possible... I don't see it at all likely that that Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell end up on the Brooklyn Nets. And oh, by the way, the Jazz, according to Utah Jazz sources, have turned down everybody who have called about Donovan Mitchell from the Miami Heat to the Charlotte Hornets to the New York Knicks repeatedly. I mean, they have over a dozen calls now asking about the availability of Donovan Mitchell and at every turn. The Utah Jazz have told teams Donovan Mitchell is not available. We are not trading him. Don is not asked to be traded, which I think is the only way that the Utah Jazz would even consider a Donovan Mitchell deal. At least that's what I've been told directly by people at the Jazz. So I would be really surprised if Donovan Mitchell was involved in this deal. I would not be surprised if the Utah Jazz were involved in a Kevin Durant trade. If they were a third team in a Kevin Durant trade where, hey, they would they would absorb DeAndre Ayton, they give up Mike Conley in a draft pick or Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley in a draft pick or two draft picks to end up with DeAndre Ayton and another pick swap, whatever that might be. I absolutely could see that scenario, and I actually think that's likely. I do, however, think that this is 100% in control of the Brooklyn Nets. Because the Brooklyn Nets, as we told you yesterday, according to NBA sources who told me directly, the Brooklyn Nets have trade packages that they could execute right now today. Right. They could trade Kevin Durant to Phoenix, for a a package that includes Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and multiple picks. This is why the onus is on the Phoenix Suns to get a DeAndre Ayton deal done so that they could acquire two more first-round picks, which I think is what it would take to get DeAndre Ayton out of uh, Phoenix to Utah because Phoenix needs more draft assets to execute a Kevin Durant trade. So I think it makes sense that the Jazz are involved in that deal. I do not think it makes sense that they would be sending Donovan Mitchell on to Brooklyn.
1: No, and I think that that was the greatness of the, the Rudy Gobert trade. If you're if you're the Utah Jazz, you picked up all of those uh, first-round picks. And I think that that is, that is why I was so excited about the, the Rudy Gobert trade for the Utah Jazz because I felt like, okay, yeah, you got some talent in return, but what you really did is you offloaded a bunch of money and you got a bunch of picks back that you can then go and get involved in another thing, which is what we told you uh, when we did that, you know, emergency show right when that trade went down. So that's why I say it doesn't make sense that 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 the Utah Jazz are trading Donovan Mitchell to Brooklyn. What makes sense by both by rule and and just structure, what makes sense is that the Jazz have all these picks to offer. So why would you not ship those out? Because they the Utah Jazz clearly need a big. They've got the picks. They've got the players that they can send. There's no reason that it doesn't work. And so I think the, I agree with you. The only thing holding this thing up is that the Brooklyn Nets are trying to get the absolute top, tippy-top trade value for Kevin Durant because I can't blame them. When's the next time you're going to get the trade, Kevin Durant? Well, you so, better hope
0: never. Yeah. You I know. mean, you be- seriously, I, I, and I know I say this a lot, but – how many times do you want to be in a situation where you're trying to trade a guy the caliber of Kevin Durant?
1: How many times do you want to be in a situation where you're trying to trade Donovan Mitchell? You don't you're, want to yeah. be in that position.
0: You're not. How many times do you want to talk about rebuild versus reload? You don't. Yeah. Uh, Josh Martin sends us a $2 tip this morning. Josh, appreciate you very much. Asking any news on 8 to Utah. Well, we just gave it to you. Appreciate that. What's up, my guy? Jeremy Bolton. Saying they gave out another PS5. I won it. They said they were going to ship it to me today.
1: (laughs) Jeremy. Jeremy. Your games are. Jeremy. It's too early
0: for your games, Jeremy. Unless your name is Gabe Ledley, you didn't win a PS5. Yeah. Neville 93. What's up with you? He says, good morning, lads. I didn't have a chance to hear the show yesterday. My bad. How dare you? How dare you?
1: Come on. How dare
0: you? You got to be committed. It's every day. Every day. Be committed. It's National Workaholic Day. Get it done. Come on. Jake R. says, good morning. You guys still are killing it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Brandon Butler, what's up, my friend? Jerry Reinstorf bought the Arlington Bears and put Jerry Krause in charge. The
1: Arlington Bears. The Arlington Heights
0: Chicago Bears. Wow. Don't get me started. Uh, Jordan Nelson, good morning. What is the next move for the Jazz? Are we all just in wait-and-see uh, game? Thanks to Katie and Kyrie. I think the NBA is in a wait-and-see mode.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. I
0: think that Kevin Durant... I, I Again, this is just m- a lot of my opinion based on things I've been told. I can't see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving getting traded in the same deal. I don't think that happens. Not, and, and when I say in the same deal... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to the Suns because I truly believe Kevin Durant's going to end up in Phoenix. I can't see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving ending up in on the same team. I can see a four-team deal. Hey, we're going to send um, Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. We're going to send Kevin Durant to the Suns, and we're going to send DeAndre Ayton to, you know, to Utah. And here and there, and I could see that. But the moving parts in that deal are, are just astronomical. The trade that I think makes more sense is, hey, isolated deals. DeAndre to, to Utah for draft picks and, and Bogdanovich. Yeah. I could see Kyrie to the Lakers for Westbrook, who they negotiated a buyout with. Westbrook becomes a free agent. I can see stuff like that happening. These four or five team deals that are being thrown around like they happen every day in the NBA. Yeah. How often do you see four or five team deals in the NBA? Rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. Well,
1: and I think if you're the, again, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're trying to maximize every deal within the five team deal. You know, because again, like we were just saying, not to be repetitive, but how often are you going to get the chance to get, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. How often are you going to get the chance to get, what, 10? First round picks out of this whole situation between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and like from all these different teams. Like, yeah. would anyone be surprised if they got seven to 10 first round picks out of this whole thing? I'm not even exaggerating, not joking. I would not. I, I, like I that's would what not. we're talking about.
0: I, I mean, that's the <laughs> level of deal we're talking about. These world of hoops says, Big question is Donovan Mitchell a number one option to primarily build around for championship aspirations? I'm not question. convinced. I don't think anybody knows the absolute answer there. What I see in Donovan Mitchell D's world and why I think that he is a number one option, he plays at three levels. He can play at the rim, he can play in the mid-range, and he certainly can shoot a three. The biggest question is, what is Donovan Mitchell going to bring to training camp that we haven't seen in the past? Is he going to be a better, more capable, more willing defender? Because that's the major hurdle. Don can play in the mid-range already. He needs to refine that and grow that part of his game. But if Donovan Mitchell's not going to improve defensively, he's never going to reach his max potential. Mm -hmm. He's not. He is going to be a limited player, and the Jazz are eventually going to collapse under the weight of his inability to defend. My guess is, is that Donovan Mitchell realizes, oh my goodness, they traded Rudy Gobert. Now it's up to me. I think that's truly where Donovan Mitchell is. I think Don is at a tipping point where this franchise is now being built around him. He's got to produce. And the point is, Kevin Durant is a guy that's a number one option. He defends well. He uh, Clearly, I think he's the best offensive player in basketball. Um, there's no doubt about that. Donovan Mitchell's not that guy. He, in my opinion, has the talent. He has the ability. He has the capability to be that guy. But he ain't that guy right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason he's not is because he's not a wanting and willing defender. Now, is that because the system said feed everything to Rudy? could be a lot of guys have said their number one defensive tool was okay let him go cuz Rudy's protecting the rim. Now that Rudy's gone, does that mean that Don becomes a better more willing defender? I don't know, we'll find out. Right. But I know he can do it. It's not a question of can he do it. It is a question of will he do it.
1: Well, and I think the only other thing that that I would be concerned about um is the leadership side. You know, I think that that this that's one of the bigger things here is that, hey, we moved on from Rudy Gobert, we're remaking this roster, that's going to require Donovan Mitchell to be a leader off the court too, to, yes. to make it all work. And so I think that also, not that I doubt that he can do it, but you know, it's just one of those things where until someone does it, you don't know. But to answer your question directly, I do think he can be the best player on a championship team. Um, I just think he needs more space to operate and better uh, yes. contributors.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Alex Chacon says, good morning, fellas. Another day of waiting for the Aiton has been traded to the Utah Jazz Woz- Roge Mom. Exactly. Yeah, man. Um, you know, good morning to uh, Rudy Sanchez, Ryan Buckley. Good morning to you. Um, one round left. Good morning, too. He says Aiton comes to Utah. He will put up monster numbers. Him and Don have super duo potential. I agree. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And that's the other thing. By the way, I think the free flowing style that DeAndre Ayton showed us in Phoenix also plays really well in Utah. Like I think in the in the system that that most of us believe Will Hardy is going to craft, they're going to play wide open basketball.
1: Which they should, man. And,
0: well, that's what the game dictates now. Yeah. You, this half court, you know, sometimes play an offensive set, sometimes shoot a three isn't what's going to win you a championship. You have to be more free than that. You have to be what's the word whimsical. You have to be able to run, play in transition, play defense and in the shoot flow of the three of ball game.
1: In the flow yeah. of the game. Like you have to the way I always describe it is you have to play in the flow of the game within the structure of your team. Like like obviously you have to know your limitations as the old saying goes, right? Like every man's got to know his limitations. Well every starting 5 has to know their limitations and how to play within the flow of the game to have success. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think the the biggest
0: thing is that you have to you have to understand that when you look at John Collins versus DeAndre Ayton, uh, that's why I say I think it's very clear that DeAndre Ayton's the better the better option here. That this is a a trade where you know I I feel like the Jazz have to get this done. Yeah, Danny's got to execute and get this DeAndre Ayton deal done. If they're able to acquire DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that is a huge jump into the timeline of winning a championship yes. because right now you're retooling. If you trade Donovan Mitchell, which, again, the Jazz have told me repeatedly they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. If they if they were to trade Donovan Mitchell, you're not retooling, you're rebuilding. If you trade for DeAndre Ayton to put him next to Donovan Mitchell, now you are retooled. And it's a huge difference in philosophy. Yep. John Collins is a, is, a, is a guy that's a work in progress. I think DeAndre Ayton, his growth has to be on defense. You like what he does offensively because, again, he can shoot the, the spot-up jumper, the catch-and-shoot, the push jumper. He can dunk. He like He's a good rebounder. You need him to be better and more intense on defense. I think John Collins is a guy that's far less able offensively. I think he's a guy that's far more versatile defensively. I'll take Aiton every single day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. Honest to goodness, I don't know that it's that close.
1: Well, when, and the NBA Finals experience. I mean, we can't well, forget that.
0: I, and I think that's huge. Yeah. I, I think the the as much as the ending has been ugly for DeAndre Aiton and Phoenix, mm-hmm. his exposure to Monty Williams, his exposure to CP3, his ability to, to describe and share what he felt in the Finals – I think is significant. And, and one of the things I think this Utah Jazz team has really lacked is anybody that's ever been there and done what they're trying to do Agreed. now. And so you look at DeAndre Ayton. He didn't win, obviously, and he was a big reason they didn't win. But he and Will Hardy have both been there now. Yes. They both have that experience of that path. That pressure, what that weight feels like sitting on your chest when you're trying to win a championship, and to me, I think that is something that's been sorely lacking in this organization. So mm-hmm. yeah, I actually feel like this is a situation where DeAndre Ayton is the far better option. Well,
1: and if you get DeAndre Ayton, then I think we have to we have to say, hey, like this, like if you if they do the Ayton deal and let's say they do nothing else. Then I think the offseason's been an A plus. Coaching higher, changing yeah. the roster. Like, if you don't get Aiton and you do some smaller trades, then I think we're probably in like B-ish area, you know, eighty percent of like what you could have done. So I but I do think they're aggressively pursuing Aiden, no doubt.
0: Yep, I agree. Spencer Morgan, good morning, my friend. He says all the action so far indicates rebuild. Really? Uh to think they are retooling requires belief in trades and signings that have not yet Happen between now and the start of the season. If you look at the roster and draft capital as it stands right now, it's a rebuild. Retool may be what's going on, but we need to see some evidence of it. Now, there's That's exactly I mean, if you right. Just,
1: you're right. I mean, if, yeah. if they just sit here, I, if they just sit on their hands and do nothing and just keep the picks, then yeah. I mean, Where I they agree. are today. Yeah. I mean, if you just sit where you are right now today, then yeah, I have to agree it is a rebuild. But, the, but I know – like, I, I, I think we can say on this show, like, with the information we have, I, I mean, I would feel confident saying it's like 99.9% done, that more moves are coming. I, I just don't think that, that there's no point in, in doing the Minnesota Rudy deal in in valuing getting all those picks back if you weren't going to do something with those. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a basketball perspective.
0: No, I agree. Josh Martin gives us a $5 tip. That's seven bucks Thank today, you. man. Appreciate you. Uh, by the way, you can send us a tip as well if you like. You certainly don't have to. There's a dollar sign below in the comment box. Just click on that. It'll allow you to execute. If we get Aiton, do you think we, um, we'll make more trades? Upgrade a point guard. I think my guess is there's two more deals coming. I think there is one more blockbuster trade coming. I, yeah. I I think and then there are some sculpting deals coming, you know, like I mean when when you give yourself a significant haircut it's not just a pull out the clipper. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to style it. You got to pull out. The How much you want on
1: top? How, you know, you skin know. fade on the
0: side, Yeah. yeah. You know? what are we doing? A two on the side or a three? Yeah. You know, you like, are
2: what you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a work in progress, but yeah, I, I, Josh, I don't think you're, I don't think you're out base there. I do think you have to do more. I, I think Jared Butler becomes an incredibly important figure in this conversation. Hey,
1: summer league starting I mean, tonight. I believe it is. Yeah. Is that tomorrow? Today. Is it tonight? Yeah. It's like today. Tonight. Yeah, so like, Watch if you have time or recorded or whatever, watch the summer league. Cause he will get run in the summer league.
0: Yeah. Uh, D's world of hoops says, and also Spencer, why would you, uh, why would Mitchell waste years in a product that's playing first round bound? It would be smart for both sides to part ways. Well, I think if you're completely tearing this thing down to rebuild it, you're probably trading Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. But again, I would go back to what our sources have told us almost from day one, which is that the Utah Jazz have told Donovan Mitchell, we will spare no expense. We will build around you. We will get talent here. We will have assets and resources here to bring us to a level where we compete, compete for a championship as soon as possible. And I think if you're the Jazz, right now what you've done is put yourself in a position to fulfill that promise you made to Donovan Mitchell, which is we're going to get assets here to give you a chance to compete. Because right now, they're a first-round play-in team. That's where they are. They're a 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. That's who they are by this roster. If you go and get a DeAndre Ayton, now you're 6 through 4, 5, 6 in, in the West. You change the point guards. You upgrade. You You bring some signings. Now you can compete towards the top of this conference, and it didn't take you five years to do that. So my guess is they're going to make one more significant trade that I think, if, if you had to ask me right now, I would think it would be DeAndre Ayton. But a lot of that trade is going to depend on Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, I think that they'll make that deal. And then my guess is they'd like to hold on to Boyan Bogdanovich and they'd like to upgrade their starting point guard. Because I think everybody in this organization agrees Don's better off the ball. When you have a true point guard that handles the ball, brings it up, that's why I could see a guy like a, a campaign being thrown into that Aiton deal. Like we talked about this the other day as well. I don't necessarily believe it just has to be DeAndre Aiton. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're able to get the Tory Craig's of the world, if you're able to take some role players and you're able to – you know, to to get a, a Joe Harris from Brooklyn in a three team deal. If you're able to land those kinds of assets, if you're in a, a, a three team deal with the, you know, the Suns, the Nets, and the Jazz, I mean, both of those teams have pieces that you would want. I mean, yep. certainly guys like Harris that that you're hearing they want to move, you know, Joe's gonna come at a little bit of a price. But that's also one of the truly elite three point shooters in the Eastern Conference when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, but you need pieces like that. You need more quality. You need to upgrade around the around the perimeter. And you need to build depth into this team. Because again, the other thing you gotta remember is, you know, Hernan Gomez is gone, Pasco's gone, Forrest is gone. Those are three rotational players. Um, that you you used heavily last year. So now what happens to Nikhil Alexander-Walker? What happens to Jared Butler? What happens to guys that they're going to bring in? Because this roster is going to look completely different. And again, the other guy that I always bring up that nobody's talking about is Rudy Gay. He has multiple years left on his contract. What are you doing with Rudy Gay? Because I think he's a guy that, while I don't think there's tremendous value there, I think there is value there. You know, like I, I, I think there is value there. Absolutely. Uh, BB says Donovan's going nowhere. We'll see about that. Lorenzo Miranda gives us a $5 tip. Is there a chance Conley stays? How much would we get back for him? And would, would, who would want him? Well, you know, I, I, I think it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. I think we were told Dallas was very interested in Mike Conley. Um, I think that you looked at a situation before the Cantavious Caldwell Pope trade to Denver I know that Washington had a lot of interest in Mike Conley. Um, Danny could have done a Contavious Caldwell-Pope trade and chose to wait. Obviously, he was working on a bigger deal with Rudy Gobert, so now that makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, so I do think there's an appetite for Mike Conley out there, and it's going to be a team like the Lakers are going to have to make a deal, and they're going to need a point guard after they trade Russell Westbrook. Things like that. That's what facilitates a Mike Conley trade. What you get in return for him, that's a big question. I, I'm i stunned that Brooklyn gave up a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal. Stunned. Are you getting a first-round pick for Mike Conley? Somehow I don't see that. Yeah. I don't see that. So the answer is I'm not really sure what his value is. I think I could see a a first-round uh, for, or excuse me, a second-round pick for Mike Conley. I can't believe somebody's
1: giving you a first-round pick for him. And if they keep him, I, I think I just, you got to bring him off the bench at this point. Yeah, I think, it's, I think he's just yeah. not a starter anymore.
0: And I don't know that Mike w- wants that. Yeah. So I, you're, I think both parties are better served by trading Mike. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, Chris Okawa gives us a ten-dollar tip. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, thanks for a great show. Keep up the good work, guys. Appreciate you uh, very much for that. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I just think it's one of those things where. Mike Conley's an important part of that locker room, but I don't know that that locker room chemistry thing is real right now. I think you're bringing in so much new talent and you're pulling out a guy like Rudy Gobert. The locker room dynamic's going to be
1: different. Yeah. I mean, I think the only guys that are really going to be around as far as like main contributors are, are going to be, you know, guaranteed. I would, I would feel comfortable saying that Jordan Clarkson is still going to be here. I mean, I, I, I think that he's too valuable to this club to, to, to ship him out, but I, I don't feel comfortable saying Bogey is still gonna be here. I certainly don't feel comfortable saying Mike is still gonna be here. I, I just think that there's too much value for those two guys. And I'm just telling you guys now, like the 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 Phoenix KD thing needs to play itself out so the Jazz know if they got that deal done. And then from there you're like you said, you're gonna make your sculpting moves. And I think guys in, in those trades are Mike and Bogey. Yeah. And you go yeah. from there.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's one of those things where you have a situation in, you know it, here where you have a lot of flexibility. I think you're, you're in a situation where you've made a transformative deal for Rudy Gobert, and now you're in a place where now you're in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this for a year and a half or two years now since they signed that Gobert contract, that the minute you move that off your books, you get a lot of leverage for that. And I think, again, the thing that really stands out to me is I see Danny Ainge here operating, and it's it's one of those things folks where I say to myself
1: my god he's
0: he's here operating it's like, a breath of
1: fresh air honestly it really like, is like and and i think your point about the, the locker room or like the team culture and chemistry not being here right now is spot on because how could it be? I, I don't think that's an indictment on the team. No. I think it's part of the process. I think whether you, you
0: subtract that many human beings yeah, out of the locker do? room. Like what are you six players off? I mean if you look at Donovan again if if you look at the guys that are no longer here, you're four, five, six guys. Yeah, you're
1: you're Gobert, Royce, Trent Forrest, uh, Eric Pascal uh Wynaccio, and, Hernan, Gomez. And Her- Hernan Gomez, you know, I mean, those are those are guys who were all, you know, some were key contributors, obviously, others are role players, but all of them were in the locker room on a daily basis, uh you know, coming to the office together. So that's why I say, like, I think that there we had a couple comments earlier in the show about, hey, like, are they done? Is it is it a rebuild or a retool? Well, right now it's a rebuild. Well. I'm telling you it's a retool because there's no way that you can just sit here where you are. You don't just make the Rudy trade to just sit here. There are more trades coming. And that's why I say definitively it is a retool.
0: And I want to go back to James Knight's comment. I only see Don leaving unless it's by his own doing based around lifestyle. Again, I, I, I think Donovan Mitchell likes wearing the note. I think he likes being a Utah jazz man. I do think culturally and politically He's uncomfortable in, in Utah, as he should be. I mean, I think that's a that's a real talking point. I mean, you look at you look at what's going on in the world and and Utah, Utah's a different place to be. I mean, this is a New York kid that um spends a lot of time in Connecticut and New York and Miami and Louisville, we've seen the last few days. And I just think that there is, there is a place for Donovan Mitchell in Utah. And I think he he. I think he'd like to win here. Yeah. I do. I think. I think Donovan Mitchell is a guy that's okay going to Louisville. I really do. I. Th- I think, and I think he's comfortable with that. Yeah. Spencer Morgan on fire today, Spence. He says, "I don't think I've ever said Donovan would hang with the Jazz through a rebuild. I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think he would either. But again, I, don't-
1: I just got to keep emphasizing this. Not that I'm saying that I that I disagree with you certainly on any level, but I just think if you look at this logically. They're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell because if that was going to happen, they yeah. would have traded him before they traded Rudy. To yeah, because I value. think you
0: and I think you get far more value for for Don than you would have for Rudy. Yeah, I don't see a thing where they're trading both of them.
1: I I just that's the other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I guess I don't I don't think so. The only way it makes sense is if Danny Ainge was brought in here to tear it down and and rebuild the team, which I don't think he was. Again. What has Ryan Smith said repeatedly? Not that he said much, but what has he said when he's spoken? He has said, "Hey, our goal is to win a championship and I care a lot about the the LHM uh legacy that that they built and in carrying that in good earnest and improving it and leaving this organization better than I found it." And I think that part of that process is not doing the 5, 7, 10-year you know, suck-fest rebuild that is a lot of these organizations in the league. I mean, how pissed would you be as a Jazz fan if they were bad for seven seasons, man? If you were a playoff team for the next two out of seven seasons, that wouldn't be acceptable. You, The Utah Jazz can't do what the Houston Rockets have done or what the Magic did or what Oklahoma City's doing. That's not an option. And so that's why I say... Everyone sitting here, you know, the guys in Phoenix or in Brooklyn or whatever are all sitting here saying, oh, well, they're trading Donovan and this and this. If you live here and you follow this team, it does not make sense that they would trade Donovan on like any level. It just doesn't compute. It
0: doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I I mean, if you just, if you listen to what Ryan Smith has said, Ryan Smith, though, I also think, by the way, Ryan Smith, for those of you not in Utah, is the owner of the Utah Jazz. And I think Ryan Smith has gone through kind of a an evolution as an owner. I mean, I, I think part of buying a team, which he did two years ago as a young billionaire, is learning. And Ryan Smith made a lot of mistakes. I mean, whether it's the uniforms, I'm not trading Joe Ingalls, whatever it might be. Ryan Smith has made a lot of mistakes. Hiring Danny Ainge was not one of them. Yeah, That was a really good move. And I think Ryan Smith also is learning, hey, man, I know what I don't know. And Danny Ainge is a guy that's done what I'm trying to do, so let me give him basketball operations. Let me make him my CEO. Let me have Danny Ainge go out. And as one of the commenters said last week, it's wild to see Danny Ainge operating unlike the Utah Jazz have ever operated. Yeah. And that's what Jake and I have talked so much about because we're used to the NBA operating the way the NBA operates. No
1: emotions, numbers like it's, situations it,
0: it, jazz fans are so used to being tied to Carl Malone, John Stockton, Carla Malone, Eaton, you know, all these Joe names Ingles. and these historic guys. And yeah, Joe Ingalls. And Hey, emotionally, I bought his Jersey because he's got this great accent. And listen, I get that, but do you want the great accent or do you want the shiny trophy? Right. Cause you don't get both generally. And Trust me when I say this, and again, if you don't know me, my resume is, I've covered this league for 30 years. i watched the Chicago Bulls win in a big way. I followed Phil Jackson to Los Angeles and watched him build a, a, a behemoth for the Lakers. Trust me when I tell you, this is how championships are won. Y'all feel me? Championships are not won currently in this league by drafting talent and waiting five years and hoping. Championships are not won by sitting Jared Butler on the bench and developing him into a starting point guard and waiting for him. Championships are won by cutting out the worst part of your roster, by getting your financial house in order, and adding a player who can come in and help you get closer, not further from a championship, regardless of what the fan base thinks. And I think one of the hardest things for Jazz fans to understand is you just don't matter when it comes to trades. And that's how you want it. You need to embrace that. Because when you have owners that are involved who care about the bottom line, instead of caring about wins and losses, that's when you struggle and you suffer. Yes. And when you're worried about what fans think, Ultimately, it leads to losses, not wins. And I think that's what Danny Ainge is acutely aware of. He's not here to win a popularity contest. He's here to win an NBA championship. And to me, that's how you win rings. You have to be unemotional. I think unemotional is, is, is the exact right way to say it. Yeah. Uh, Mesh says, I love Eat and Move. My only concern with all these moves is we're making the Wolves better in Phoenix if they end up with KD, two teams in the West. Would we be better than either? Well, I also think that when you trade for a guy like Kevin Durant, your window becomes very small. And I look at Phoenix in particular, Mesh, because I think this is a really good point. I think Phoenix becomes instantly the number one in the NBA. I think when you put Book, CP3, and let's assume that that's how this trade would end up, that you would have a core of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul, right? If those three are together on the Phoenix Suns, they're winning a championship, in my opinion. The question is, what about the Utah Jazz? Well, where where do they go with that against that little team, the Golden State Warriors, who are set up to win multiple championships for the next three years? Let's not worry about the Suns. I'd be more focused on Golden State. I'd be more focused on Denver, who I think got a hell of a lot better. I'd be more focused on just about everybody. By the way, Memphis is another year older. They're going to be better. The West is not getting easier. It's getting more difficult. Yeah. The Utah Jazz are a better team today than they have been at any time in the last two years.
1: And I think success over the next couple of years is getting to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, like, I would agree and, and, with that. And that's why I agree with you. Like I don't think that you sh- if you're a Jazz fan, you shouldn't be worried about the Suns. Like, yeah, you're gonna play the Suns, obviously, and, and those will we'll love those matchups and everything. But as far as the postseason is concerned, You're not going to see them unless you get to the Western Conference Finals because they're probably going to be a one or a two seed. And depending on how it all plays out, like I, again, if they make the eight and deal, they, you know, kind of finish shaping up this roster, I would assume that the Jazz could contend for a five or a six seed, you know? So, if that's the case, you wouldn't even see the Suns until the Western Conference Finals. And if you got to the Western Conference Finals, you've improved. That was a successful season. So, yeah. I just think that it's a it's a win-win for the Jazz to do the Aiton deal. And, and to take that next step forward, even if you do run into the Suns.
0: Yeah, and I want to go back to James Knight's comments. Joe Ingles' contribution to the Jazz is a little more significant than emotional fan favorite. Just saying, well, until he deteriorated rapidly last year and then ultimately wound up with a torn knee ligament, yeah, I would agree with you. I think Joe Ingles' – how do I say this gently? Joe Ingles' value was his, inability, his ability to make catch and, th- and shoot threes. He stopped doing that. He was no longer a defensive stopper. Those were his two highest, best uses on the floor. Off the floor, obviously, he was a glue guy. He was a leader. Yeah. He was a chemistry guy. He was somebody that that could quell the, the, the loud voices in the room. That's what you missed from him. The issue was Joe Ingles was never going to be the guy that was going to win you a championship. He is a piece of a team that wins a championship. There's no doubt about that. Why did he go to Milwaukee? Because he wants the best shot at winning a ring. Yep. And he's earned that. And right now, that's not going to be in in Utah. Even though, again, I think that this team is far better off today than at any point in the last two years. I think you are closer, and I know that sounds crazy, but the Utah Jazz today are closer to winning a championship than they've been at any point in the last two years. Yeah. And it's because their financial house is far more in order. Their roster is going to be far more in order. It's going to be way more balanced and you're going to be built around a prototypical NBA superstar instead of a guy that can't score. Yeah. And yet is taking twenty three percent of your cap.
1: Yeah, the only other thing I'd say on the Joe Ingles front, and this kind of goes back to the emotional thing we were just talking about, like I think for um, you know, Utah Jazz fans, you know, like James Knight, who have clearly been watching the team for a really long time like you saw young Joe Ingles and the contributions and everything he was able to do early on in his Utah Jazz days and you saw the deterioration and, and that's why I say like it's it's not that it's not that we're saying that Joe Ingles didn't have value to this team but I I think it's I do think it's fair to say in a respectful way hey he just ran out of steam man that's why the ACL happened you put that many minutes on a body, on a knee, like it's it, like injuries happen, man. That's just part of life as a basketball player. So I just think that you can't be emotional about these guys who 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 have been around for a long time. Like you just need to yeah. say, hey, yeah, it's time.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging the contributions that Joe Ingles made to this team. Yeah. Absolutely, Kurt. Uh, good morning to you. Kurt Valenti says, "But does Donovan want to stay in Utah?" Let's be real. Utah's not a contender at all with what they got. Even eight, and I totally disagree. I think uh, let's have the conversation. Utah's not a contender. Yeah. When we know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt that this is from far from a finished product. This roster is. You have no idea what this roster is going to look like in a month. Yeah. You have no idea what this roster is going to look like in 24 hours. I mean, to me, that you're a little jump in the gun here when you say that, you know, this roster is not a contender. I, I And by the way, the other thing I think is important is that we stop talking about if Donovan wants to be here because he is here. And until he demands a trade, he's here. Yeah. And I, I think there's so many people that are sure that he wants out of Utah. He's done nothing to display that. And I, I can only say this so many times Donovan Mitchell has done nothing to say, I want out of Utah. I hate playing in Utah. I don't want to be here. I love this idea that Donovan Mitchell is greedy and he's selfish and he wants to go to the Knicks to win a championship. Yeah. If you're greedy and selfish, are you demanding a trade to the Knicks? Because you're not winning a championship in New York in the next five years at this moment. (laughs) You're not. You're closer to a championship in Utah than you are in a Nick uniform. Agreed, right? So this idea that Donovan Mitchell is forcing his way out, like
1: congratulations, what? but that's bullshit. You
0: have no evidence of that. You have no evidence. And again, I can only tell you what people at the Jazz have told us. He's never, not once, not before, not it, it, currently, nothing. Donovan Mitchell's never demanded a trade from the Jazz. Never. He has never once said, I want out. What Donovan Mitchell has said, and we've been repeatedly able to confirm, I want to win a championship, and I want to do that as soon as possible. That's every day. He has told the Jazz, I'm not willing to sit here and and go through you ripping this team down to the, down to the studs, because <laughs> everybody keeps saying that. Donovan Mitchell has said, I don't want to be here with a, four other rookies on the floor. That's essentially what he said. The Rudy Gobert trade tells you that that's not what this team's doing, that they are committed to putting the assets and the money forward that they need
1: to yeah.
0: to make sure that this team's competitive for a championship. And I'm telling you, if this next week to 10 days goes off the way I think it's going to, there's no reason this team can't win three rings in the next five years. And I think that starts next year. I don't think you're – you. if Kevin Durant ends up in Phoenix, and I think he will, yeah. you're not going to compete with Phoenix or Golden State. You're You're not. The question is, what does Golden State do? Because I think that's huge. You're not going to be able to keep Clay and Wiggs, in my opinion. You're going to wind up trading one of the two. And if I had to guess right now today, I would still say they're going to trade Clay. Mm. But that's just my opinion. I think you're going to see over the next year that Golden State's going to change. Phoenix is going to change. Memphis is going to keep growing. Denver's going to keep growing. The Jazz are going to keep growing. And there's no reason to believe that Danny Ainge is going to falter or that he's not going to put this team in a very good position to win. So I think we need to stop with this assumption that Donovan doesn't want to be here because there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Yeah. Thanks for getting me fired up, Kurt. I appreciate that. Um, by the way, D's World of Hoops says agree 100%, Kurt. Um, Kurt also says, Golden State, the Suns, Memphis, Denver, Minnesota, the Lakers, Dallas, easily all better. The LA Lakers are not better than half of the league right now. Yeah. They're not. You, you uh, Listen. Talk the, about the, a prove-it deal. The Suns right now are a bit dysfunctional. Without DeAndre Ayton, they're going to have trouble scoring because he was a huge part of their offense. When a guy gives you 20 points a game, you don't just trade that guy away and think that Devin Booker is going to pick up and average 46 points a game because he's not. Right? So again, I think everything's in evolution. Everything's in changing and evolving and growing. Let's see what the Suns are. Let's see what happens in Golden State. It's very difficult to play the volume of games that Golden State just played 3 years in a row. I I think we've seen that. Why do you rarely see repeat champions anymore? Because you have the Euros and you have the Olympics and you have the Olympic qualifying and you have the finals and all the best players playing all those games. Like Luka Doncic. Big question about Luka right now. Luka's playing in Europe right now. He's playing in the Euros right now. And when that tournament kicks off in August, watch how many NBA superstars are in that tournament. Rudy Gobert's going to be in that tournament. You look at Luka Doncic is going to be in that tournament. Those guys are all putting mileage on the tires, man. And again, what have we said about Rudy Gobert? He's played in the Olympic qualifiers. He's played the Olympic tournament. He's played the playoffs. Now he's going to go play in the Euros. Yep. Some point, the wall's coming. And it's just a matter of how hard you hit the wall. I.E. Joe Ingles. I.E. Kobe Bryant. I.E. LeBron James. Kevin Durant. All these guys, eventually it catches up. You can't play all this basketball and think everything's going to be great. Yep. And I look at guys like Klay Thompson. I look at guys like Steph Curry. I look at LeBron James. I look at Donovan Mitchell. I look at all these guys who play all this basketball. Eventually, Father Time is going to win because he's undefeated. Yep. So all of this stuff, you got to go through this. I look at the the Phoenix Suns are a perfect example of this. Kevin Durant has a recent history of missing significant time with injury. Chris Paul has a recent history of missing significant time with injury. Why did we tell you that Mike Conley was a massive mistake when you extended him? Because he has a recent history and a career-long history of missing significant time. You can't continue to pay guys and hit your wagon to dudes that miss consistent amounts of, of playing time. This is a code <laughs> 10 abort. Why did Clay Thompson struggle so much in the playoffs? Because he was tired. Yeah. Because all he's done for two years is rehab. Right? So now I would expect this coming year, Klay Thompson to be Klay Thompson again. Right? But look at Draymond Green. Draymond Green doesn't look like the same player he once was, does he? Cuz he's getting old. And I look at guys like guys like Draymond Green, those are the glue guys. That's the reason that they're as good as they are.
1: Well, and I think when we talk about limiting factors that will hold Golden State back on some yes. level, like all the basketball they've played and I think that you know, again, this is why I say, like, if the Jazz can get this right, they have a shot. And I don't think, you know, again, respectfully, I, I just don't think it's fair to be writing them off already. Right now, as it sits today, yeah, all those teams are better than the Utah Jazz. But I I'm not. I, I just have to keep saying this, like, they're not done. They're clearly not done. It's not even in question.
0: Yeah, I agree. Mr. E says, uh, Aiton and Ananobi in Utah would put the Jazz in a completely different path. Stronger team and the Jazz can get them now. I don't know that you're going to be able to pry OG Ananobi away from Toronto for anything less than a superstar. I mean, I think Toronto—I don't think I know yeah. Toronto really wanted Rudy Gobert. I think there, there is, and we again, I know we talked about this at nauseum, but Gary Trent, and OG Ananobi, that package they were going to get from Toronto is not half of what they got from Minnesota. Seriously, I mean. Uh, I, the uproar and the, the, the jazz fans that are upset about what the jazz got from Minnesota, I just don't know what trade you're looking at. Yeah. Because I, I, with all due respect to Rudy's prowess at the rim, I mean, they absolutely got a haul. I mean, just in in, in Kessler and Vanderbilt and those picks alone. Yeah, Beverly. I mean, and you look at – I think they're going to flip Pat Bev. That's just my opinion. But I look at if you keep Malik Beasley on this team, you're fine. That's a guy who can start for you at the the three or the four. You know, like if, if Malik Beasley and Boyan Bogdanovich are on the floor together, Boyan's a better player. Yeah. And, and again, I'd love to see Boyan stay on this team. I don't know that that's going to happen. He's got value around the league. Yeah. I'd love to see Boyan be on this team. I'd love to see frankly if you can keep Vanderbilt Beasley and Boyan as as three guys on this roster, you're in really good shape. Malik Beasley can play. That dude can can play.
1: But I don't think a lot of people know that because he's was in Minnesota. Like how many yeah. times did you watch Malik Beasley last year?
0: Yeah, we watched a lot of Timberwolves. I am I have no life. I have no life. My wife's probably got like three gigolo boyfriends because I just spend so much time watching All basketball. Gas, no break. And my wife hates basketball. She is not a huge basketball fan. Affects especially NBA. But anyway, uh, let's get a couple other comments in here because there's one I want to talk to specifically. Uh, M. Alvarez says, Hey, when you're winding down today, can I get two cents on the Utah Utes meeting with the Big 12 today? This is a huge story. Yeah. This is a huge story because... Um, you know, frankly, my weakest my weakest relationships are at the University of Utah. But it's interesting that the folks I know at BYU they're pretty convinced that Utah is going to make a deal today to join the Big Twelve. Like they are pretty convinced. That would be fire. They are convinced that Washington and Oregon are going to the pack or from the Pac twelve to the Big Ten. There's a lot of people who believe that Utah and Colorado are going to the big 12 today. I want the Holy war. I want it. I want it every year. And if BYU and Utah wind up in the big 12, how is Utah not instantly favored to be the big, the big 12 champion? I want it. That is a, that would be a killer addition. Yes. I'm not a, I am not I do not happen to be a big fan of what they do in Boulder. That's just me. I hate Colorado with all due <laughs> respect. Um, but, my God, how if you're the Big 12, how do you say no to that? I know the Big 12 wants the Arizona schools. I totally understand that. But right now, Colorado's in better shape than than Arizona State. I think your mom's in better shape than Arizona State. <laughs> um, but I got to tell you, Arizona's on the rise. What, what Fish has done down there and the recruiting, I don't know how many – you probably aren't paying attention. Arizona's not in bad shape. Arizona since the Rich Rod, my kids are quarterback days. Arizona's gotten markedly better since they hired him as coach. And I'm telling you, Arizona's another one that belongs in the Big Twelve.
1: I just think that I just think for for Utah, like you are in a position where you gotta maximize the time you have left with Kyle Whittingham. And I yes. think that I think that, you know, getting the Holy War back on the calendar every single year and and, and just and just why wouldn't you? Like, my biggest thing here is is this is the price the Pac-12 pays for being incredibly subpar the last 10 years. So- you know, the
0: the funny thing is, though, we sat in our vaunted pre-show meeting last night trying to figure out if we could talk football today, and we just haven't had time because there's been so much NBA. Yeah. But this this Utah Big 12 thing is real.
1: Yeah, like football. like football season and all the things that go with it.
0: When you're here in BYU, and from what I understand, the Big 12 is vetting Utah heavily. The Big 12 would love to add Utah. I'm sure. And my guess is that that that's going to happen cuz the my friends in Provo are all asking, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, like they're all being asked by the Big 12 conference, "Hey, do you guys want to do this?" Do you got And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, the Big 12 is asking BYU about Utah. <laughs> and the the Irony of how much more leverage BYU has in college football today than Utah does. Yeah, The gutting of the Pac-12 has absolutely given rise to BYU's independence. And the decision that Tom Homo and the the, the leadership at BYU made all those years ago to be independent absolutely looks like they did the right thing. Yep. Because the, the one thing you can say about Utah, before we get back to the NBA real quick, and then we got to get to Sean Watson, and then we got to move. But anyway, the point is, there's two things you can't deny about the, the Pac-12. It cost you a ton of money. You lost money going, going to the Pac-12. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. At the time, you didn't think that would happen. But at the end, you lost money, and you lost Q factor, rating factor. You lost TV deals. Facts. You lost third-tier rights. Social media, video.
1: You lost the talent on the football field because the Pac-12 is bad at footballing.
0: I agree. Larry Scott absolutely gutted the programs in that conference. Yeah. And as stunning as it was last week that UCLA and USC were able to turn that thing around in days, I think Utah's got to act quickly here. And I think A.D. Harlan is a guy that is going to do that. And he has, from, from what I understand... Mark Harlan has full ability to do whatever he thinks is right for Utah athletics. Yeah. He has the full backing of leadership at Utah. And I think they are going to meet today, and I think they are going to try and consummate a deal. They are going to plant the seed in your mom's garden, and they are going to germinate. Don't and drop that mother. There's going to be a sweet new baby Ute in the Big 12. That was probably too far. See what I meant to say? <laughs> the, the copulation of contracts. and What, that. Let me tell you what, that,
1: You know. Sorry, okay. did you say copulation? Uh, of contracts. look here, man. The constipation. And, in, and stuff.
0: And stuff. Okay. Correct, someone. Um, you know. We, yeah, all right. We, let's get back to basketball. Right. Uh, Jeremy Bolton, bringing in eight would be very reminiscent of good old jazz days of Raul Lopez and Jaren. Did you just say Raul? Not Raul. Um, Raul Lopez. Did you really um, just say that? You really, and Jaron Collins, you've mentioned Jaron Collins like five times in the last three shows. Settle down. Settle down. Jeremy, I have a vision of you wearing your Alex Caruso jersey right now. Um. Your shoulders are very white. Uh, Jordan Nelson says, Toronto thinks Ananobi is something way better than he actually is. I would love to have OG Ananobi on my team. That cat can play on the wing. Absolutely. Scammer Trolling. Scammer Trolling. Says, I have to admit, I started watching this show out of hate, but I'll be darned, you guys are actually quite entertaining. Thank you. Appreciate that scammer. Add him to the list. And by the way, <laughs> my username is just simply a reference to me enjoying messaging with phone scammers. Okay. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. I like. Welcome to the show. James Knight says, Jazz fans need to wait and see the impact of the Gobert trade. Uh, Will net when Ainge is done. Yes, I would agree with Agreed. that. Agreed. Ro- Eric and Rowley says, Football at 25. Exactly right. Yes. Um, Noah Francis says morning brothers what's up Noah good to see you Um, should we switch gears real quick because speaking of football at 25 yeah um, I do want to talk about this situation with Deshaun Watson yeah so here's the very latest Deshaun Watson as you're well aware now has been accused by 26 women of sexual misconduct some far more than that sexual assault he has been sued by 24 of them and he has settled 20 of those 24 suits Deshaun Watson had his disciplinary hearing with the NFL uh, and the Arbiter. The Arbiter. Um, last week. Yeah. The Arbiter uh, has requested that written briefs be submitted this week and that before training camp it is it is agreed, it looks like, or understood that this Arbiter, um, which I think means she's a tree specialist. I could be wrong. Right. Uh, arborist.
1: See what he did there? Arbiter, Arbor, arborist. Arbiter. You know. uh, anyway,
0: the tree specialist said that Deshaun Watson should have a decision uh, before training camp opens.
2: Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and She
0: said she is on her own timeline and that she is going to act by the process, not by any leverage or pressure from Deshaun's camp or the NFL. Right. Oh, by the way, Robert Kraft, speaking of copulation and germination... Robert Kraft got by all accounts a handy in a massage parlor in Florida a couple of years ago and he was actually arrested and they tried to prosecute him for sexual misconduct with a masseuse
1: right he
0: faced no discipline now we all understand that Robert Kraft is a billionaire white guy who owns an NFL team We all understand that Deshaun Watson has far fewer millions than he used to have, but he's a black man that plays for a billionaire white guy. Right. So we all know that Deshaun Watson's probably going to lose in this situation. Um, Is there any correlation between Bobby Kraft's handy in Florida? Um, and what Deshaun Watson is accused of doing?
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I think I think there's. You think there yeah, is? Yeah, I think wow. there's a, an absolute connection because I think what if you really look at the X's and O's of this, and I would encourage you go to ProFootballTalk.com. They've got a whole breakdown on it. Very easy to understand. This is not rocket science. This is all civil suit as far as Deshaun is concerned. And the issue is is that there's no evidence that. Anything uh, as far as like sexual assault or anything was done. There's no actual evidence. It's their word against Deshaun's word, word. So the problem for the NFL is is that they have nothing to go on other than hey, he is he violated the personal conduct policy. Which this is the tie between him and Robert Kraft. They both violated the personal conduct policy. Kraft got no discipline, and because the cops couldn't check a box for a warrant, did not get prosecuted. And now you're in a situation where Deshaun is probably going to get a couple of games here just on merits alone.
0: See, this is the crux of the conversation, though. Yeah. Is it a couple of games, or is it a year?
1: Well, the issue is is that the, the league's standards for sexual assault is six games. That's basically what the policy says, like, Anything related to sexual assault that that you that you you know get d- disciplined for is six games. The problem is he's not being disciplined for anything around sexual assault. There's no evidence. There's no like. There's no tangible. They thing. Really,
0: the shocking thing is the National Football League put forward no evidence of guilt against Deshaun Watson in yeah. this disciplinary hearing. Yeah. It is remarkable. They essentially said, "Well, Madam Arbiter, you know that he was accused 26 times, sued 24 times, and settled 20 of them." That's all the evidence you need. All right, let's put him out of the game for a year. Like, that's essentially how the NFL presented their case, which is ridiculous. But I don't see how you can take Bob Kraft and Deshaun Watson and compare them. Okay, there was a masseuse. There was a handy. There was... It's sexual in nature. That's the connection. 26 women have accused Deshaun Watson of at minimum, sexual misconduct. Many of them say he sexually assaulted them. Um, I think one of the four women that hasn't settled has made heinous accusations of sexual assault. I think this is a completely different case. I think this is a far more severe case. And if I were the NFL, I'd have handled this totally different. I would have gotten to a point when those 24 women filed suit, I would have suspended him for contract detrimental to the National Football League, Mm -hmm. which they are well entitled to do. I would not have him at training camp. To me, the mistake that the NFL has made is allowing Deshaun Watson to put on an NFL helmet and practice jersey and be seen on television. He can never be seen in front of a camera in an NFL environment. Yeah, That's the mistake they made. I'd have taken him off the field. If they'd have had to pay him to do that, okay, maybe. But I would have suspended him without pay until further notice. Until this situation, which is at at minimum, at minimum, this is damaging to the National Football League. Yes. At most, he sexually assaulted 26 women. Yeah. You can't play in my league until we figure out what actually happened. Never mind the
1: ramifications for Baker Mayfield.
0: Oh, you settled out of court and there are no criminal trials? Okay, well, you brought great embarrassment to the, to the National Football League. We'll see you next year. I'd have suspended him for the entire year. And if you want to appeal that to an arbitrator, okay, great. That's your right. Knock yourself out. But. Agreed. The NFL has taken no stand here. And you took no action against the billionaire white guy who got caught in a similar situation by the cops and was criminally charged.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And only got off because some cop didn't check a box about video surveillance on a warrant. Yeah. And you took no action against him. Um. That's kind of a bad it's look. It's a bad look. That is a very bad look. A very bad look, in my opinion. All right. Thank you for being here. Let's get some of your comments in here, I'm sure. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, uh, I'd love to have Utah in the Big 12. Give me that rivalry all day long. Don't disagree. Uh, He also says, I wear my Caruso jersey and nothing else while doing yard work. So, here's my question. So, the boys are swinging free in the breeze. (laughs) So... I'm hoping then that the Caruso jersey is like a dress, at least a, the length of a skirt.
1: Yeah. Did you get a tall or did you just get a regular? I said a skirt. A skirt, right? That, so that's that's a, a a skirt, but like with the shorts built in. Yeah. I'm hoping that that that's a maybe
0: it's a onesie Caruso jersey, right? With a skirt built into it, right? Yeah, and just kind of scruff it and play with it when it's wet. Because I don't think anybody wants to see your weed whacker, Jeremy Bolton. <clears throat> Hello. Is it that's hipper? Is this, is this thing, thing on? Like,
1: can we get some crickets in here or
0: something? Is is this thing? Well, hey, there we go. Is this thing on? Hello? Oh, Jeremy Bolton's in his yard in only a Caruso jersey, just so you
2: can go to Pound town.
0: <laughs> The neighbors are like, "Oh God, call the cops!"
1: Nice weed
0: whacker. Yeah, exactly right. Boy anyway. How's he gonna edge the how's he gonna edge the yard with that thing? Uh anyways. <laughs> what? It's a legitimate, valid landscaping question that we are yes, asking. Yes you did. Yes you did. So Okay, good talk. Good talk. All right. It is National Workaholics Day. Yep. Yes it is. Let's get into it. It is National
1: Workaholics Day. Yeah. Are you Jake on board with a four-day work week? Hell yeah, I am. I think it's necessary. I think that it is—you uh, don't lose uh, productivity with a four-day work week, and I think people stay fresher. And I think that if you're an employer, uh, especially with how things are going now, like with work from home and everything happening, a four-day work week to me makes a lot of sense. I would rather work four tens than five eights. I just would. I think it. I would rather have the extra day off to do whatever the hell I want to and then be able to come back Monday nice and fresh. And I think that's just as simple as it is. Damn God it. damn it. The bots are back in the channel. You see you reference Bob Kraft and this is what happens.
0: Well you you reference Deshaun Watson and all of a sudden the bots show up and they put out unwanted commercial content or spam. Actually, it's pornography or sexually explicit material. Let's attack. go ahead and report them.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: gummit. And then we welcome. Oh, I was close. Mrs. Monty is on the show today. Let's tilt that down. Let's zoom in. You got a, hey, mic, as well, a mic as well. Hey, hey.
2: Well, well, hey there. There she
0: is. Mrs. Monty, would you be in favor of a four-day work week?
2: 100%. I'm mean, Let's do it. Let's Hundo do it P, bruh. Yep. Um, based on, based on
0: what do you say? Because I think the four day work week for me would just value our time a lot more. Yeah. And the hardest part for me right now is we just don't have time to do the things we want to do. Yeah. We have too much time to do the things we need to do. So my, my point is I want to be doing things that I want to do, not necessarily that I need to do.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I I think that, We work ourselves really hard. And I venture to guess that most people are already doing four 10s. They're probably doing five 10s. You know, so I would say that if, you know, if we can reduce that down to four, it'll probably end up being four 12s, but still I get an extra day on on a weekend. Well,
0: Jake, Jake had some stats. I mean, there are a lot of countries that already do four day work weeks. Yeah. I mean, and if you think about the countries
1: doing that, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It, so you have a country, Belgium is the one who kind of started this whole this whole sort of of like flow as far as like what you know, doing a 4-day work week, getting getting ahead of that whole thing. But you've got countries like, you know, Germany, you know, the UK. We even have some countries here in the US who are piloting 4-day work weeks. Countries here in the US or companies in the U.S. Jake Sorry, needs more
2: of that caffeine. Yeah.
1: Again, four day work weeks. Anyway, yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's
2: so a day after a long weekend, it no is. But we right. we
0: do have major companies piloting yes. four day work weeks in the United States, yeah. and yeah. I think when you look across Europe, certainly the Finns, the Swedes, um, the Germans. Um, again, I, I New Zealand, I, New Zealand's another one. Australia's another one. That, yeah. They're trying to get more quality of life at a higher level of production with their workers. And I think overwhelmingly studies have shown that when you work less, you're more productive. And when you work four days, if you work 10 four hour or four tens, um, which is a standard in service industries like and public servants, cops, firefighters routinely work four tens. So you get more productivity. I'm all in favor of it because, again, anything that gives me more time for the things I want to do, I'm all in on that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and it's interesting in the, for the, the large corporation that I work for, we had an all-hands call recently where someone asked the question, hey, are you willing to go to a, a four-day work week? And essentially they said, just like the – Ability to work from home, they left it up to the directors of the teams to make the choice of what, you know, needed to be done in order to accomplish the work. So, you know, for some teams, that's probably not going to work to have 40 work weeks. But they did open it up for that. Is that really going to happen?
0: Eh, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I, I will admittedly say I'm a workaholic. Yeah. Um. I love what I do on this show. Um. And I think most people here know that I work at Yelp full-time as well. Um, Yelp is my job. This is my passion, right? So Yelp Yelp is the, you know, I've worked at Yelp for the last almost three Three,
1: years. Three years in October.
0: Yeah. And so for me, Yelp is the first job I've ever had outside of broadcasting on a full-time basis. Like, hey, career job. And the issue obviously is the same issue that many people face. I make insane money at Yelp. Like I make incredible money at Yelp. How do you walk away from that and do the things you want to do? Mm-hmm. Well, the way you do that is you bank your money and you work your side hustle. And you, And it's, it's interesting that over the last two and a half years, we've done several things in addition to working at Yelp. Because Yelp gives you incredible flexibility. Yelp gives you incredible benefits. Yelp yeah. gives you incredible money. Yelp enables you to do a lot of things, like work remotely, Yelp,
1: especially when you're you know, a top performer.
0: Yeah, and I think Britt, your point, Mrs. Monty, your <laughs> point about um, working remotely. Yelp is a company that has said we're closing our offices, our 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 workforce, because what Yelp did during the period of time that we're not allowed to talk about, right, uh, here on
1: YouTube, <laughs> right,
0: uh, is they sent everybody home. And they gave us all high-tech equipment to do our jobs and continue to make them billions. Right. Then when the thing we can't talk about ended and they opened up the offices and gave people a choice, not many people went back to the office. Yeah. So now Yelp is saying, okay, well, you don't want to be here? We won't be here either. We're going to close our offices in certain cities. And save ourselves a lot of money. Which, But it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And my point is that like you you work for a tech company, we work for a tech company. Yep. Tech companies are quickly figuring out that employee happiness and allowing your employees to thrive, that's where you get the highest level of execution in my yes. opinion. You know, like I, I just don't think there's any doubt about it.
2: And I think that we're going to see uh, um that if we go into more of a recession, this is one of the levers that companies can pull easily they can get rid of the building instead of getting rid of the people. It is a huge cost savings to cut that overhead for the physical building and then be able to keep people. I think we will see that happen a lot if you know as we go into a recession if that's what truly happens. well and i
0: i think when we talk about four-day work weeks i don't know anybody that would turn down a four-day work week i i, I truly do well not. and i
1: think for those of us who side hustle as well we're working like eight days and four days you know you're working you, you're working your nine to five and you're like we get up at like four fifteen every day like it's no it's no joke you know yeah. and, and that's yeah. that's the tough part
0: yeah, uh, let's get some comments in here. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says uh, zero-day work week. Yes. <laughs> James Knight yes. says if you need to do stuff, you have to pull sickies. Okay. Sick, sick days. Sick days. Yeah. Casey Finlinson says now when it comes to the four-day work week, are you always a Monday or Friday off kind of guy or on a rotating schedule where once a month you get a four-day weekend? No, I'm a Monday through Thursday guy. Give yes. me my Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. 'Cause I can drive to Denver and snowboard on that. I can, you know, I can build infrastructure or I can, like all these other things
1: yeah. with that extra the consecutive day. Consecutive days off is where the difference is. Yeah. I don't I don't just need an extra day off. I want consecutive days off where I don't have to think about, about doing my job.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Eric and Raleigh says work four hours on Monday afternoon, leave work Friday at one o'clock. I already work. I am only allowed to work 40 hours, period. Yeah. So I usually work extra hours during the week, and then I wind up working a half day on Friday because I'm at 40 hours. Yeah. I want Friday off oh. in its entirety, period. And whatever I got to do to get that, of I'm, not, in it. I'm in dude, it.
1: The, the price of having the ability to not think about your job on any given day is huge. Like The benefits of that mentally are you it, you just can't put a price on it. Yeah, totally agree.
0: Uh Zayman says, uh best four days is Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday off. Work two days, get a day off, work two days, get two days off.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we all have preferences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't know that
0: yeah, that's interesting. Ooh, interesting in the uh, NBA. We have movement. Uh free agent TJ Warren has agreed to a deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski,
1: So that tells me a deal is coming.
0: That does tell a deal me that a, deal, a,
1: that, that a deal is
0: coming because the Nets have picked up a couple of interesting free agents. Um, something to keep your eye on. Absolutely something to keep your eye on. Uh, a couple more comments on this. Um, let's see. Ruff's official says, the mar- market should dictate everything. If you don't like your job, salary, schedule, work environment, you are free to get another one. Well, you know, for every for every, you know, what, what is it? For every job opening, there's...
2: No, for every one person, there's five... Job yeah, openings. that's it. Yeah. for
1: every one applicant, there's like five job openings. Mm-hmm. It's it, but rough set with all due respect, that's been your take on everything. Well, if you don't like it, you can get out. Okay, cool. Well, it's, it's, I mean, that's just like I, I, I think there's more to the conversation than that.
0: I think we're looking for the perfect utopic work environment, and I don't know that that exists. Yeah. I, I mean, work is work. Yeah, you're always going to sacrifice on some level. Yeah. I, I, I just think you are, uh, no matter, no matter what you want to do. Um, and I, and I know this is going to be a tough topic. Um, this Highland Park parade shooter yesterday. So that one hit very close to home. Uh, I lived in Highland Park for a long time. Jake was actually born in Highland Park Hospital. Um, I, I, I'm i I'm at the end of my rope with this. I'm like in a shitty mood today because of this. Like I'm at the end of my rope with this. And I I, I don't, you know what the problem is? I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about it, and I'm I'm at a point where we know who these guys are, right? We know who the this twenty is the twenty two year old white guy.
1: Add him to the list. That's who.
0: That's who these guys are, and 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 if you didn't hear the details on this thing in Highland Park, there was a holiday parade in Highland Park, Illinois, which is not different than Kaysville. Um, Layton, you know, just a a small town. And I I mean, I I went to that parade almost every year as a kid, like, and as a teenager, when I lived there, I went to that parade, like that was down the street from where my apartment in Highland Park was. And the idea that we can't go out, sit on a, on a curb in a, in a lawn chair, like we're at the Murray 4th of July parade. Without some guy climbing up a fire escape ladder with an assault rifle and just picking people out of the crowd randomly, he shot six adults and 20-something others were wounded. Yeah. And the picture everybody's showing is this woman with a bullet that bounced off the pavement and hit her in the face and just grazed her face. Mm. It cut her cheek open and she was bleeding and she posted on social media that enough is enough. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do about this. I, I really I, I, really don't. I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of, with all due respect, I'm tired of thoughts and prayers. Like, I'm tired of, of, you know, people saying, hey, thoughts and prayers and... Moments of silence. I'm tired. I'm tired of, and this is why when I say go and vote, I'm so proud of the state of Utah last week for putting Mike Lee in a situation where he's probably going to lose to Evan McMullen, because Mike Lee is a huge advocate for the NRA. I'm tired of politicians saying, but you're coming to get our guns. I, and again, Marjorie Taylor green last week was asked point blank by MSNBC. You keep saying that we're coming to get your guns or that laws are coming to get your guns. The Democrats are coming to get your guns. Where is one example of where somebody said, hey, we're going to go house to house and round up AR-15s? Where is that? Where is that one example of a legislative bill Mm -hmm. or a piece of legislation that was put forward at the state or federal level where it was said, hey, you got to turn your guns in? Where was that? I'm tired of this this 22-year-old's dad after the last mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, saying he he tweeted out this kid's father, protect the Second Amendment with all of your your abilities. And then less than a month later, your kid's on a rooftop murdering people. Mm. Mm. You know, like I, I'm tired of the division. I'm tired of the first thing we point out about this kid is that he's a Donald Trump supporter who was a QAnon follower, which he is, and he was. I'm tired of a black guy unarmed getting shot 66 times the other day. And this fucking asshole gets pulled over by the North Chicago police yesterday. And they asked him nicely, would you mind, they said to him, could you please... They said to him. Like the people recording his arrest yesterday. You can hear the police on the loudspeaker being respectful of this guy. Yet we have a black guy that was unarmed, not a threat, got shot 66 times. Yeah. We don't want to talk about that, though. I'm fucking tired of it. Yeah. I'm over it. And we're not willing to do anything about it because we got to get reelected and we got to stay in power and this guy's got money and Mike Lee's got this guy in his pocket and that guy in his pocket and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of talking about, hey, it's Donald Trump's fault. It's not Donald Trump's fault. It's your fault. It's his kid's parents' fault. I'm tired of of common sense gun legislation. Shut up, Joe Biden, about your law that isn't going to change anything. This, this gun reform thing that went off a couple of weeks ago isn't stopping this 22-year-old from getting on a rooftop. No. On the 4th of July and shooting people he's never met, a disabled guy in a wheelchair got shot yesterday. He got killed in a parade where he told his friends, I hate going to this parade, but I have to go because the people who are my caretakers, this guy in a wheelchair, legit, legit story. This guy in a wheelchair yesterday at Highland Park, the parade, he gets killed yeah. by this asshole on a roof. Doesn't want to go to the parade. But he needs round-the-clock, 24-hour care. And the people who were caring for him said, well, we're going to the parade, so you're going with us. And he winds up getting killed by this lunatic on a roof. Yeah, That's where we are in this country. And nobody's willing to change it because we don't want to talk about it. We want to we want to make sure that everybody's got their AR15s stop selling the weapon stop selling these weapons of mass destruction I'm not worried about nukes bro you know what I'm worried about going into the grocery store
1: yeah they're not using handguns
0: right I, I'm I, I'm telling you at some point we've got to get to a place where we don't talk about deer hunting with AR15s cuz look we don't deer hunt with AR15s and if you do you're you're reckless we don't need assault rifles. We don't need AK-47s. Nope. That's not it, it, that's not what it's about. We don't need, man, I, I'm telling you, th- what we did two weeks ago with common sense gun reform was not common sense. But you look at the leadership in this country, they can't get anything done because they're all on the opposite side and... This guy's going to vote this way. And, well, it's the midterm, so naturally if there's a Republican, the Democrats are going to win the House. And if there's a Democrat, the Republicans are going to win the House Mm -hmm. because that's just the way we do things in this country. Do you guys understand that we've just become the country that nobody wants to go to anymore because we just shoot people?
1: Can't go to parades anymore.
0: We got cops on patrol in Philadelphia walking through a wooded area during their fireworks display getting ambushed. And shot last night. We got cops going to a domestic disturbance. Getting murdered with their canine dog last week. What At what point do we say this isn't who we
2: are? And the, the, the argument of, well, if we all had our guns, we would have taken them out. It has never happened. It has never happened. Where other people pulled out their guns to shoot the shooter. That does not happen. It is a very poor idea. And it doesn't mean that you arm teachers because look, it's never happened where the shooter gets shot by other people with guns. It doesn't work that way. So stop telling yourself that that's the solution is to arm people more. Get rid of these weapons that do not need to be in our neighborhoods.
0: But if you look at the school shooting thing, You're exactly right. Like this idea. The funniest thing is that you have like Ted Cruz saying that in Uvalde, Texas, and you have Greg Abbott, the the governor of Texas saying, well, we're just going to have a single entry in and out and we're going to put armed guards there. Idiotic. Well, he showed up with an AR-15. And uh, just don't even bring up what the police never did in Uvalde, please. Never. Just take it at face value. Okay, so. We're going to have a single in and out with armed guards. But the shooter has a rifle that is designed to kill those guys before they ever even know he's there. And then when we go to evacuate the building, because I don't think it's a stretch to say, are you going to have 10 cops at the door? You're not. No. What are you going to have? One cop? You're going to have a rent a cop at the door. You might have one armed police officer. The likelihood is that you're going to have school personnel with a gun on her hip or his hip and they're going to die and then when the kids when they hit the bell and and they evacuate the building and the guy is standing at the one access point what's going to happen to all the kids who are running at the access point i started having second thoughts it doesn't work yeah and then this idea that well, if we'd have had people armed in the Buffalo grocery store, those black folks wouldn't have died. A senator, actually, a state senator, actually
1: said that. Or maybe he. shouldn't Those have had black a rifle. folks
0: wouldn't have died. What? Why? Why? Why can't we just have the discussion here? Why can't we, without Kurt losing his mind, saying that we need to stick to sports? Why can't we just have an open, honest discussion about where we are in this country? Because I can tell you, I'm 49, about to be 50. I've never felt more hopeless than I feel right now. I don't want to go to the movies. We went and saw Top Gun the other day, and it wasn't the thing I'm not allowed to talk about because there's been so many lies and half-truths about the thing that got everybody sick with your arm and stuff. Right. It affects me. That's not the first thing I thought of. You know the first thing I thought of? Well, it's a huge movie, and maybe we'll all get shot going to the theater. Because I'm telling you, this isn't a Chicago thing. All these assholes in Texas that were like, well, those are the black people shooting up Chicago. No. This was a 22-year-old white kid with an assault rifle on a rooftop at a parade. And by the way, thank God he lost his water. Did anybody, like, did you guys see that? That homie freaked out, dropped his weapon, and took off running.
1: Like off the building?
0: Yes. He dropped his, no, he was on a rooftop. Yeah. Shooting down. Right. Panicked, dropped the weapon at his feet and took off running, Ah, got into a car and ran up to North Chicago, which is, you know, if you're in downtown Salt Lake, imagine that you are in Bountiful. Yeah. He ran from that far, got spotted by the North Chicago police, a, a brief chase ensued. He stopped at an intersection and got out and surrendered because they asked nicely.
1: Yeah. Please.
0: And thank hey, buddy. you,
2: buddy. Hey, buddy, you think you could get out of the car? Hey, bro, can you? Yeah.
0: And like they were nice to him. Hey, guys. Anyway, my point is, we just can't have a conversation. But I'm telling you, the one thing that I can control is voting. That's the one thing that I can do. And I get it. Mrs. Monty yelled at me the other day that I should write letters and do something. I totally get it. Stop voting for Mike Lee. I'm begging you. Right, now you want to know what you can do here in Utah? You cannot vote for Mike Lee. Yeah, this is a guy who has routinely and at every chance he has gotten, Mike Lee has betrayed the United States of America. Whether it was on January sixth, where he worked diligently behind the scenes to overthrow the vote, he is. It's in text message. It's in writing. There's evidence. Whether it is his clandestine trips to Russia, whether it is his, his work with the NRA, he has never chosen us, he has always chosen them. And at some point, that's got to change. I'm voting for Evan McMullen. and it brings me great joy to see that he only got 41% of the Republican vote, that 60% of Republicans in the state of Utah Did not vote for Mike Lee. Mm -hmm. That brings me great warmth to my heart because he's an asshole who does not care about you or your family and yet won't stand for questions and dare he, he doesn't watch the show. Mike Lee, please join us. Come in and let's have a conversation. It is an open invitation. I've called his office a dozen times. He he has never once called me back and doesn't want to because Mike Lee doesn't answer questions. So, is what it is. All right, the I I feel better. Um let's see. Scammer uh trolling says Kurt the show is almost over. It's what they do at the end. A non-sports topic. Every day we do it.
1: Yeah, and by the way, by the way, I'll just get ahead of this and say Kurt if you don't like it you can leave. I, I, we don't care. And like, Kurt, my, before we
0: all crush Kurt, he says, "Stick to sports, please. It's my only place I have to decompress from the madness." Well, uh-huh. I, I hear you, man. But I
1: get that. But but again, <laughs> you can't have. I'm sorry. We're. I'm not here for. Oh, it's a sports show. You can't do. You can't do lifestyle topics. This is. Uh, th- this we're all in this together. Like I, I just think it's it's just what it is.
2: It's uncomfortable, and it has to be uncomfortable until yeah. we can fix it. Yeah, and that's what sucks. That's what sucks. Our Fourth of July got fucked up. Yeah, did totally destroyed as we sit in our homes and go. Well, I guess it's probably not safe to go out. Probably not safe to go to a large event. And and look at
0: look at this. nut at the hot dog eating contest.
2: Oh my gosh, this guy can't
0: even shove hot dogs down your throat. This guy that runs up to Joey Chestnut with a sign in his hand, and Joey Chestnut said, "I had no idea what he was doing there." Like that. Where's your, A, where's your security? So Joey Chestnut puts a guy in a chokehold. Dropped him. And they wind up grabbing him. Yeah. Um, Eric and Raleigh says, preach the good word, Tim. Thank you. Uh, Hodo Gonzalez says, well, it does happen. Giggity says, Mrs. Monty is spot on. Armed civilians will shoot other innocents because of no training. Yes. Exactly right. Uh, Giggity says, Cancun Cruz, F that cr- clown. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, JJ Craig-a- Craigette says, preach. Uh, Ruff's official says there are mass murders in Philly, Chicago, Baltimore, D.C., New York, New Orleans, Oakland yeah. every day. Most of these states have strict gun control.
2: No, they don't. No, they don't. No one has strict what gun control. Nobody has like, strict dude? gun control. No one does. What
0: does that look like, man? And yeah. th- this is the best part about the Chicago thing. Do you understand that in Chicago, gun violence is a is a daily way of life? and those guns almost overwhelmingly the guns that cops take off the street in Chicago are not from Chicago they come in from Wisconsin and Indiana almost exclusively they come in from out of state so it's not that gun control in Chicago doesn't work it this is this is the abortion argument oh it's banned in Alabama okay well I'll just go to Georgia or I'll it's banned in Texas I'll go to California or New York or wherever yeah we need a comprehensive uh, plan of attack where we stop selling these rifles, these assault weapons that are murdering our children, man. And they're
1: just readily available. That's the problem. I'm not. I, I'm somebody who says, hey, like, I'm not saying that, you know, we should just eradicate them from existence, but it's, you can't just have Eddie Joe Schmo going and getting them. Just like anything else, it has to be regulated. <laughs> you have to fulfill criteria and get checked out and vetted. Like, There has to be a process, and that's the issue.
0: BB says, Seriously, you liberals, I learned to accept your wrong opinions on politics. But the interesting thing is, and that may be tongue in cheek, I don't know. This isn't a liberal issue. No. This is an American issue. How long is it going to be before we have another mass shooting in Utah? A day. Like, and that's, that's, we've had over 300 the first half of the year. We're like 311 in this country. When when, it's coming. It's not a matter of if it is coming. Yes. And the other thing that we got to stop doing is we have to stop publicizing these, these people like that, that these mass shooters, it needs to be, it can't be a non-story. It needs to be not about them. It needs to be localized. I agree. There's a guy that said this many years ago in the UK, but we've got to stop talking about their names. We've got to stop talking about their families. We've got to stop talking about what they've, you know, how infamous they are now because that's what they want. This kid didn't kill himself. He wants to be a celebrity. Yeah. Well, you know, like it it just is. It is what it is, man. I get it. Uh, Colby says, where do I find NCAA realignment talk? Well, we already did it. We did it during the sports segment. Uh, Ruff says the right to a gun is written in the Constitution. No, actually, it's not. It's not written in the Constitution. The Second Amendment doesn't say that you can have AR-15s. Right. The Second Amendment says we have a right to bear arms, to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. Right. That's what the, that's what the Second Amendment says. Yes. It's not, hey, you have a right to stand on a rooftop and murder people, and then you have the people that are survived have the right to watch you do nothing about that. That's not what the Second Amendment says. And at some point we got to get away from this idea. Well, the constitution
2: was written and it can never be changed. Fuck that. It was written more than 200 years ago. And you know, who wasn't in it? Come on women, people of color. And also probably you, because you know what? You weren't rich. That is the honest truth. If you were an immigrant, which, well, guess what? Everyone was. It's, a problem, and no one's willing to address it because they also follow a you know a two thousand year old book. Yes, and it's time for change. It's time for reality, people. It it's okay to say, hey, we started this way and it was really good. We now have to make changes. It was
1: necessary at to, that time in order yes. to be better. Yeah.
2: If you don't want to be better, you're just gonna die the way that you are. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I I can't explain it enough. Yes. We had a great intention in our country. Our constitution was important. It was important when it happened. It was 200
0: years ago, but this is what happened during the, during the period of time that YouTube doesn't want us to talk about. Look at the high percentage of Americans who are now, who now have the thing in their arm where it prevents you from dying. Mm-hmm. Well, well, do you think those people are just liberals? Do you think those people are only, you know, the sheep? No, dude, they're not. It's liberals and conservatives and Democrats and Republicans and independents because the, the, the lies and the misinformation,
2: how can you, the other question we're out
0: anyway, I could go on and on and on, man. We need to
2: have conversations about it because when we can have, conversations about it and we can work through the problem we can come up with a solution it it can happen but if we're not having the conversations and we're not being realistic because when you just go back to no because of the constitution you're blind yeah you're blind and And, you need to open your eyes and start having a conversation about what makes sense
0: yeah i i just think we need to stop we ju- we just need to stop. I, I I don't, and I totally agree. The Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia, and it is time for that regulation. It it is absolutely time. Um, and Ruff's, your opinion is welcome. He says arms. It doesn't say any type of arms. There's a process to change the Constitution. It's called amendments. With gerrymandering and district, you know, mapping, we've lost the ability to do that. How did we how did we end up with a Supreme Court that's completely imbalanced? Because we wouldn't vote. like it's a lie like come on man like this is the problem we won't be realistic about things and until we are realistic about things I just don't I don't know that we ever wind up in a better place but speaking of which a better place is we have to go to work show's over (sighs) I appreciate you guys letting me vent on that it's not something we do every day we generally stay away from politics on this show for this exact reason so tomorrow we'll get much more into football depending on what happens in the NFL Or, excuse me, in the NBA with the Kevin Durant situation. If the Jazz make another significant trade, we'll be live right back here on the channel. Appreciate everybody that's here. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. We really appreciate your patronage of the Monty Show. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.